Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com wait and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com wait today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com wait. GetRoman.com wait. Gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. There's a lot of hungry guys that are that, that want to go out there and just and, and just prove prove a lot of people wrong, frankly. And so, um, you know, I, I'm excited for this week of practice. I'm excited for the for the season, and uh, I'm excited about these group of guys we have going up to Buffalo this weekend. I can tell you that there's some guys on this team that may not be household names, but they're good football players. Their mission is to go out and, and become a household name. Welcome into the Can't Wait Podcast, where our mission is also to become a household name. Tim McMaster here, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. We're getting there, but we, you can help us out. Give us a, a great rating wherever you're listening to the podcast and subscribe as well. Lots to get to on the podcast as it is a game week for the New York Jets. Buffalo Bills, of course, coming up. On Sunday, we're going to talk about expectations for the 2020 season. We're going to talk about the roster and how it broke down with some interesting choices along the way. But for the most part, they kind of went with what we expect. Before we get to all of that, there's something we got to talk about, Connor, and that is you going golfing, which is something you do frequently. Frequently, yeah, I got tea time. with you. You brought your own heckler. <laughs> Let's talk about this a little bit. How to uh, It's funny because, like, I've I've casually my my one friend's uh one of my best friends um wife is a is a uh extremely athletic person and he's brought her golfing before so she and Bree are very very close and uh obviously I'm very close with with my buddy Rodney so we've briefly mentioned the subject before of like why don't we bring Bree and Corinne golfing and then also I golf all the time with my father-in-law so I've kind of said like multiple times like oh why don't we bring like Bree and Bree's mom golfing with me and and Bree's father-in-law. I was like, that would kind of be like a lot of fun, you know, like, look, I don't know how much they're going to play or whatever, but like, I don't, you know, maybe they, they will or they won't. So, uh, so finally, like I kind of made reference to, to bringing Bree out on the course before. And she's kind of always said like, no, like, I don't know how to play. Uh, like, you know, I don't have anything to wear, like that kind of thing. I was like, oh, look, I was like, all you need is like shorts and like a, a tank. I was like, you can make it work. I was like, and you don't have to play. Just just ride in the cart, have some drinks, listen to country music, and like just enjoy being outside. If it's like she obviously she's not gonna want to come when it's like a two hundred degree day, but if it's like seventy five, eighty, like what else are you gonna do? So I didn't. I've like made the comment a couple times. It's always been like maybe uh, no, I'm fine. I'm gonna do something else. Maybe uh, no, I'm fine. I'm gonna do something else like that kind of thing. So this past weekend, I, I scheduled a tea time with my father in law, and I casually said like. 
Bree, would you want to come out and play with us? Like, is this like, would you want to like come out and join it? And she like almost right off the bat was like, yeah, sure. Fine. And it kind of like caught me off guard because I was like, all right, I'm scheduling a two o'clock tea time at some random course. Doesn't really matter. And then she was like, yeah, I'll come. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. If Brie wants to come, we're going to do like, I'm going to try to take her to a nice course. Like we'll get a nice tea time, nice course, have her get to see like scenery and like what this is like and like pretty greens and all that. Like kind of like give her a good first course experience. That's some just like rinky dink municipal. This is why we should have started with this. Is why this is a bad idea to the podcast. My, this was why my idea was bad to do the podcast day in the morning. I can't even speak yet. This was like your suggestion. Everybody should know. Yeah. So. First hole, like we get to the course, Bree, like we, you know, we pack up the cooler. We've got it in the back. Uh, Bree's excited. She looks cute. She's got like the golf outfit on all that stuff. I'm like, man, this is going to be try to fun. I'm already like getting like all macho though. Cause now I'm like, I got to impress Bree. Like <laughs> minus the fact we've been dating each other for 11 years. We're engaged to be married. Like there's clearly not going to be an after Bree. I'm like, I have to impress her. I have to impress <laughs> Bree. So of course, like my first drive like of the day on the first hole, like we call it a bright, like give it, I, I don't take mulligans anymore. Like any of this stuff. I kind of just go with like, the, if I'm like kind of tracking my score for real. And I was like, I'm going to play like a breakfast ball. So like first time I get on the tee box immediately, like, you know, like flexing. It's like, let's go. I'm going to crush the hell out of this ball. I swing and it's a snap hook left that like, maybe I can find it's like, it, but it's like a bad first hole. It's like, it's I'm like, uh, and I was like, I know I was like, I'm probably going to get up there and be like, I can't find it. So I just like I have a second ball in my pocket. I was like I'll just hit one, like hit the one more. I'll play my provisional. It'll be fine. Maybe I'll count it as a stroke. Maybe I'll, like it's first hole breakfast ball. It's kind of like the ball. one. Even my hard, oh, even my hard. We need a breakfast ball on the podcast this morning. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like even my hardcore golf fans, like friends who I play with, that take it super, super seriously. Even they're down with a breakfast ball. So I take the second ball out of my pocket and I put it down. First comment Brie makes all day. Why are you hitting a second one? <laughs> <laughs> The rest of like the trip through 18, I give her credit. She was super cute about it. But like she was asking questions that like anyone who has played golf before is like, shut the hell up. So it's like the one is like, why were you hitting a second one? There was one comment where it was like, uh, why did you go all the way to the left? There's so much room in front of you. I'm like, I hit one off to the right. So I'm like behind the trees. I got to punch through. She goes like. We'll just put it right back on the fairway. I'm like, yeah, I want to put it right back on the fairway, but otherwise I got to go up an 80 foot tree or through six other ones. So it's not as easy. It's like easier said than done. Then the putting comes up. I like go to putt. Like I lip one out. She's like, Ooh, you could have used that one. I was like, yeah, of course it was like my father-in-law was like next to me, just cracking up over. Cause it was like everything. Like, again, it was like, I wish I had it recorded because it was like everything that you would think like somebody would say golfing. Bree said golfing and it was like it's like the first one like my the one that got him going was like when she goes like why are you hitting another one I'm like because the first one was freaking shit that's why I'm hitting another <laughs> one because the first one was freaking awful so she was cracking up the highlight I think of uh of her golf experience though was when somebody on another fairway um hit it like a hit a terrible shot bounced off a tree and the ball ricocheted through <laughs> our cart and I was out oh. walking my ball. Bree was sitting in the cart. And all of a sudden, like, I hear the, like, rattling of it. And she goes, oh, my God. And I go up. I was like, what the hell happened? She goes, well, this guy was next to me because he hit a bad shot. She goes, and I asked him, do you want me to move? And he, he goes, no, you're totally fine. And then he tried to punch out, hit a tree, came right back in. So we ended up seeing the guys. We were walking back to the clubhouse to return the carts. He goes, are you guys staying for a drink outside after? And we're like, yeah, we're going to get dinner and grab a drink. And she go, And the guy goes, your first few drinks are on me. I got you. I almost <laughs> killed you. I'm so sorry. I swear I don't always do that. And Bree's like, 
do they usually do that? I was like, no, Bree, they don't usually hit you with golf balls. But yeah, it's kind of <laughs> normal that they'll buy you a drink after if they do. I was like, but you were kind of in for a, quite a treat there. So yeah, it was fun. Honestly, it was successful. It was. I thought it was a successful outing. She putted a few times. She tried chipping. How was the score? Uh, I think I finished. I finished with like a 92, 93. Like it wasn't a. It was a. It's. It was fine. Like this, we talked about this last year. I'd be like, I shot a 92, 93. But like yeah. I've been shooting like like mid to high 80s the last couple of times I've been out. I've been playing really well. And uh, so it was a rough 92, 93. I, I recovered on the back. I shot like a 48 on the front. So I recovered really well on the back. It was just the front was pretty rough. But it's funny. Like I was joking with my uh, my actual dad the other day. He was like, oh, how have you been shooting? I was like, well, I was like, the way camp has been going, I was playing really, really well. So I stopped going to the driving range. I was like, I've got this damn golf game figured out. And it's kind of funny that after I stopped – was when suddenly those scores started creeping right mm. back up to where they were. So I, I need a couple of range days. But uh, no, it was a, a successful outing there with uh, Bree's first time golfing. I think she's going to go again. I think she had a good time. So uh, next time we're going to go with her mom there, and we'll probably go out with Rodney and Corinne as well. I think Got to get her time. on the course playing next time. That's the, the mm-hmm. next step. Then you can heckle right back. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have that ring thrown at my face if I start doing that. <laughs> start heckling her. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I know. I know. Uh, I know. I know where I sleep at night. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna screw around with that too much, man. I'm gonna. Uh, I'd end up without a head. <laughs> All right, on to to uh, football. That's the sport we're talking about here on the Jets podcast. Um, so we, I mentioned we're gonna get into expectations a little bit. We'll look at the division as a whole and this roster, the way it broke down. But let's start with those expectations. Uh, we heard Joe Douglas off the top a little bit talking about you know that this team is is maybe, you know, people aren't giving them respect, but there's a lot of good players. They're just not household names. It's a lot of, you know, he's not coach, but coach speak type stuff. Um, But realistically, um, when you look at the roster and how it breaks down against other teams in the NFL, Connor, if they're going to be competitive, they're going to dream of the playoffs, they're going to have to play above their talent level. Is that a fair way of putting it, that they're going to have to play better than the – the roster shakes out as as we look at it right now. If they're going to make a run at, at nine and seven, or or maybe even eight and eight, does it because of the expanded playoffs? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't. I think you look at the Jets roster. I don't think anyone would sit here and say that this is one of the best teams in the NFL. Now, obviously, the big X factor in this entire equation, as is always going to be the X factor, until we have a, a concrete evaluation of the type of player he is, which we should have after this season, is Sam Darnold. So if Sam Darnold is somehow, uh, or I shouldn't say somehow, but if Sam Darnold develops this year or shows very early on in the season that he is a bona fide, no doubt, franchise quarterback and that he is somebody that is, I mean, I I think that Patrick Mahomes is in a tier above himself, but if he's in that uh, top 10, top 12 quarterback range, you're suddenly talking about a guy that can just about single-handedly win you football games. And then he can overcome the lack of talent around him to make plays and, and will his team to a victory. If that's the case, if if Sam Darnold is that bona fide stud, he is your franchise quarterback, he is the guy that, like we've constantly said, you need to figure out if he's going to be the reason you compete for a Super Bowl or if he's going to be a guy that needs some help getting to a Super Bowl. You need to figure out what kind of quarterback he is right now. If he is the, the former instead of the latter – you're talking about a, a, a completely different outlook on this season because suddenly, I mean, look at the talent that Aaron Rodgers used to have around him, right? I mean, there was there was no talent in Green Bay, and they were still winning 10, 11, 12 games every single year because of Aaron Rodgers. So if Sam Darnold somehow this year becomes that quarterback, well, the expectations for this season completely change. Now, if 
Sam Darnold is just kind of one of those guys still this year that's coming along, slowly developing, good but not great, a guy that shows he can be a starting quarterback but not. That's when the Jets are going to have to kind of like buckle up and and play some games this year and win some games this year where they sneak out with victories. They win ugly. You know, they win those 24-17. They win the game because, you know, they just they hold the ball longer than the other team. It's not about number of plays run, but time of possession. They win the time of possession battle. They force a turnover or two, and that's how they get their win. I think that that's the kind of game that, that more going into this season, I think that's how the Jets are going to be successful because they don't have a talent, a roster as talented as the Buffalo Bills. They don't have a roster as talented as the, as the, uh, as the new England Patriots. That's two teams just in their division without taking into consideration the fact that they're not as talented as the Oakland Raiders, the chiefs, probably even the Broncos. They're not as talented as the, the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, there are all of these teams, the AFC South. I mean, they're probably more talented um, actually, no, the Colts, I think, were probably even a more talented team. The Texans yeah. are a more talented team. They're more talented than the Jaguars, but who isn't? So I think when you look across the NFL landscape, the Jets are, without a doubt, in the bottom third, probably bottom 10, maybe even bottom five teams in terms of overall roster talent, even if everything breaks their way with Mims developing, Brashad Perriman being a, a solid number two. I mean, they're still going to be a team that is not uh, one of the better in the NFL. That doesn't mean they can't win football games. I mean, every year you see teams make the playoffs where you're like, man, they just happen to come together. So if Sam Darnold, like I said, develops uh, better than anticipated, I would say, you've got a guy that uh, obviously changes the outlook on this season entirely because if you have a quarterback in the NFL, you literally have everything. But if he kind of just starts to improve or he looks like the quarterback we saw in training camp, the Jets are going to have to uh, play ugly and, and fight ugly if they want to try to get some some wins in this season and potentially make a playoff run. And even then, honestly, I think it might be a little unlikely, but but we'll see. Yeah, it would be interesting just if it's interesting, right? If it's exciting down the stretch, if they're playing games that matter at the end of the season, that I think that would be enough for a lot of Jets fans to be competitive and in it. Unlike last year, where while they did play well down the stretch because of the one and seven start, it just didn't matter. And it was it was just kind of mailing it in down the, down the end, even when the team was playing well. So when you think strengths and weaknesses, obviously that's a big unknown as Darnold you would have thought the strength would have been the defense with CJ Mosley back and Jamal Adams and all of that stuff. It feels like even though those guys aren't here to play for this team in 2020, if the team is going to be competitive, the defense still needs to be a strength, which means no pressure, Greg Williams, but you're going to have to pull some stuff out of this one. Yeah. It's odd, you know, and like on every NFL team, you can kind of go through and look at them and say like, this is what they can hang their hat on. You know what I mean? Like this is their identity. And, and this is what they're going to do well. And this is how they're going to win football games. I don't know, to be completely honest, if the Jets have that roster position or roster side of the or side of the ball, I should say, that is their strength. You know, I, I look at this roster and, and I say, like, OK, if the Jets had a really, really good offense, this defense is fine. Like, I think this defense can be better than what the Chiefs defense was last year if you know, and the, and the Chiefs won a Super Bowl because I think that like the Chiefs defense was kind of like fine and it was maybe slightly above average. And I think that's what this Jets defense can be. I think they don't have they lack a true pass rusher, which is what the, the Chiefs have. I think they have uh, who is it, Frank Clark out there in, in, in Kansas City. So I think they have some they have some good players. I mean, they have Tyron Matthew. Uh, those are two players. The Jets or if the Jets still had Jamal Adams. They kind of have a similar defense there. But even with Marcus May, I think Marcus May at this point in his career is a similar player to what Tyron Matthew is, who looks like he's getting old, older, quicker. Um, 
But I think this is a, a Jets defense that if they had a very good offense, it's fine. You can win with them. I think that this at this Jets offense, if you had a dynamic, game-changing, top-tier defense, I think this is a Jets offense that would be fine. The issue is that the Jets, I don't believe, have either side of the ball that is the dynamic, game-changing, great group. So they kind of have two groups that are, if everything breaks their way, fine to slightly above average, but not really a side of the ball where you're like, that's our strength, that's our weakness. I mean, we ran on, on The Athletic today a position-by-position uh, position grading, basically, now that the, everything's final. Like, the Jets have put their players in injured reserve. They've activated the guys off. They've got their practice squad. They've got their 53. They've got everything. We ran a position-by-position position grade of the entire Jets roster, quarterback, running back, offensive line, defensive line, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, cornerback, safety. I think the highest grade that I gave to either side of the ball was a B plus and it was the tight end position. And and I think the tight end position could potentially be an A by the end of the year if Chris Herndon stays healthy. But that's a big question mark because Chris Herndon, even in training camp, got nicked up towards the end. So it's it's a big thing for him to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, I think the Jets are fine. A because they've got that top tier number you know, their number one tight end in Chris Herndon, but the depth behind him is also pretty impressive. Ryan Griffin caught five touchdowns in in Herndon's absence last year, also has good chemistry with Sam Darnold. Daniel Brown is a good receiving tight end. Trevon Wesco made made legitimate strides in summer this year and was one of the early camp stars. So the tight end position is a B plus. Every other roster spot, I don't think I gave higher than than a B. When you look at both the starter and then the situation that happens if if somebody contracts COVID or somebody goes down with an injury, that isn't a great sign. I mean, you go through any other team and you can be like, oh, this is an A. This is an A. They at least have like two positions, three positions where you're like, this is an A. I don't see any other position on the Jets roster that's an A. Quarterback, even if Sam Darnold's rocking and rolling, he's probably a B. Running back, probably a B plus. I think that might have been the other one I gave a B plus. Running back's good. Offensive line, C plus B. Defensive line, B. There's no real game changer there. Outside linebacker, same thing. No real game changer. Inside linebacker, competent, definitely, with Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman. But it's definitely not an A when you don't have C.J. Mosley there anymore. Cornerbacks, best case scenario, a B if everyone stays healthy. Safety, Marcus May is a stud, but Bradley McDougal, probably still a B. All of this stuff is is kind of indicative of the fact that this team is still developing. This team is still building. This team is still growing. And now I know that's that's tough for, for Jet fans to hear because they feel like they've been building, growing, and developing probably – I mean, well, look, I, I like I said, and, and people know this, I'm not a Jets fan. I didn't grow up a Jets fan. My so my my knowledge of Jets history is not very good just because I, I don't I don't have the ability to be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was a kid watching this game and this happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can't just grab and pull that information. So my knowledge of the team really goes back to when I joined the beat in two thousand and fourteen. This team has been rebuilding in two thousand and fourteen, in two thousand and fifteen, in two thousand and seventeen, in two thousand and eighteen, in two thousand and nineteen, and now two thousand and twenty. The only year that they were not rebuilding was 2016, and that was the year when they just had this massive combustion of players hating each other with Brandon Marshall and Sheldon Richardson and Darrell Revis giving in and, and all this stuff. So uh, it, it's tough. If you're a Jet fan, I feel for you because you really have been rebuilding and just hoping for the brighter tomorrow for the last six seasons. But I think the one thing you can probably hang your hat on now is that you have a guy running the show in Joe Douglas that that seems to be somebody that has not only captivated this entire franchise, but this franchise is is wholeheartedly convinced that this is going to be the right guy to to turn this team around and build this team around. And I think this is a step in the right direction, but the Jets are still probably two years, one or two years away. 
So if you're rebuilding, it's the NFL. There's still things that as a fan, you need to be able to, I guess, embrace if you're going to get something out of this NFL season, especially when you're going to certainly be doing it from home without fans and, and all that sort of thing. So in a rebuilding year, you look at this team, and I think there are still things that fans can kind of put their hat on, and that is number one, right, would be Sam Darnold. And just seeing that progression and seeing the steps that he takes. Um, and then the y- other young guys, Mims, see how he comes along. I mean, the, the key to enjoying a team when they're rebuilding is a the team has to be in the games, right? I think that's the number one thing. You can't get that's blown it. out week after week. The team has to be in football games so that you can sit down on Sunday afternoon and think, you know what? If we play well, we have a chance of winning this game, regardless of who we're playing against. Um, even though over the course of the season, we're maybe not going to win more than than seven games. But that said, you know what else stands out to you as what people should be locked in on if things don't get off to the good start that the Jets fans hope they they will. Yeah, look, it's it's in. I don't think anyone, even the most optimistic Jet fan, even the guy that is just going to sleep in his in his in his green and white PJs and drinking coffee out of his Jets mug and and you know has got got the the New England Patriots toilet paper in the bathroom. I mean, I think even that Jet fan does not expect a deep playoff or Super Bowl run this year. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that even, seriously, even the most optimistic Jet fan looks at this roster and is like, damn, man, we're, this is it. Like, like, put up the number one. Let's get Joe Namath back to guarantee it. Like, I even, I don't even think that guy's got that, got that in him. But I, I think that when they look at this roster, the biggest thing that you, that, that this Jet team can give fans, like the thing that just gives them hope and gives them optimism, what they want to see is a team that is competing week in and week out. And, and and it is just a team that kind of like you alluded to, Tim, it's it's they they are in this and in every game from start to finish. No more no more blowouts. No more like the the first Dolphin game where it's really not even that close. Or no more like the Bengals game where it's really not that close or where they're not getting outplayed considerably. I mean look, I think it's gonna be a very hard thing for this Jets team to stay within two touchdowns of the Kansas City Chiefs or San Francisco 49ers. I think that's going to be very hard for this team to do. But every other game on this schedule, when they're playing the Buffalo Bills, be in it until the end. When they are playing the Miami Dolphins, a team they're better than, beat that team. When they are playing um, the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, at least give them a run for their money, similar to what they kind of did against the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night when they were so undermanned. At least put an effort and fight and be in these games and keep it competitive. And if that means that you've still finished with seven wins, if that means you still finished with eight wins, I think that's a feather in your cap because you can look at this team and say, like, they're turning that corner. You know, I think last year, if the Jets didn't start last season one and seven, I think it would have been such a different outlook on this season if they had finished, like, say, or that they had started the season, you know, three and three and six even, and then finished – four and three. I, I think you would have had a different outlook because you would have been like, you know what? They were in it every single year. That yep. one and seven start, which again, they lost their starting quarterback and we're playing Luke Falk and David fails. Like, I mean, obviously they're going to suck, but I mean, it, the fact that they had started one and seven with a head coach that, that a lot of this fan base didn't even wanted and then turned it on at the end. I, I think it just, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, but if they start and they're at least competing throughout and they can steal some games, they can win ugly and just win games. I think that'll give, a lot of this fan base hope that, you know what, we now can see the nucleus of this team starting to grow in terms of like it's a team, like chemistry. You know, it's such a football cliche, but you have chemistry, you have team chemistry here, and then we're starting to fight, 
And now, you know, if we, if we get some more talent, if we, if we, you know, now that we have this money in free agency because, you know, Joe Douglas was cheap, you know, if we have this money in free agency <laughs> now, we can fill out the roster with some more talent. We've got the guy that actually knows how to evaluate college talent. We can get this everything rocking and rolling for us, and we can make a run next year. Like, now we've got it. We've got the nucleus. We've got the core. We infuse it with, with future talent in the draft and then some nice free agent signings that complement the players we already have, and we're going to be ready to go. Like, we are going to be ready to go. We're going to be ready to rock and roll. I think that'll give fans a legitimate hope for next year and really get them not just hearing we're heading in the right direction, not just thinking we're heading in the right direction, but actually seeing, like, legitimate visual proof that this thing is working. And, and then it's also the things kind of like you mentioned, Tim. Sam Darnold taking that next step, becoming the bona fide, no-doubt franchise quarterback. Chris Herndon stepping up as and, and kind of ascending into that top five tight end class. I've said it before. I don't think he's Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's he's George Kittle. I don't think he's Rob Gronkowski. But put himself in that Greg Olson class. You know, or Greg, not current, you know, 90-year-old Greg Olson, but the Greg Olson that, that when he was in his prime with the Panthers. Yep. Like, be that player, you know, be that kind of Greg Olson, that guy, like be that guy for the Jets offense. You can really have a, have a successful scheme with him leading your front, seeing Denzel Mims get healthy and then step up and show that maybe he's not a number one. I don't know if Denzel Mims is going to be a number one wide out, but that he can be a long-term number two, you know, the, the, the Roddy white to, to Julio Jones, something like that, you know, be, be that kind of a player. Um, I, I think that that would give Jet fans a lot of like, we're going to, we got this, you know, Joe Douglas has got this. We're heading in the right direction. Watch out. Because once, if Sam shows he's the franchise quarterback, Chris Herndon becomes Greg Olson. Uh, Denzel Mims really steps up as a number two. You've got a core nucleus on offense. And then on defense, you've got some things you can work with. I don't see like on defense, that same core nucleus aside from Quinn and Williams really finally showing he's like a, a legitimate game wrecking presence. I don't see anyone else on the defense where you're like, that guy is going to be a stud. But with a defensive coordinator like Greg Williams, he'll make it work with whoever you get. And then after Joe Douglas fixes the offense, he can turn his attention to defense, which is significantly easier to fix than, than an offense. Yeah, certainly a lot of things to stay focused on. Well, fantasy football draft season is upon us. Due to quarantine, it's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. This is the perfect protection needed for your franchise quarterback. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. Game changer. Their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower Performance Boxer Briefs and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantine and some other liquid formulations also like the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing deodorant. Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner and is made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, that's a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code THEATHLETIC20. It's time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. All right, Connor, now it's time to celebrate. That's right, football is here. 
To kick off football's 101st season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head over to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That's a no-brainer. Plus, DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes for all users who entered their football survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code QUICK to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's the promo code QUICK to get in on all the action. For limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's talk about the roster a little bit as we move things along. And um, no huge surprises as far as cuts and how it shook down, but I want to talk about the quarterback situation. And before that, just some of the interesting cuts, right? Jonathan Harrison, a little bit of a surprise. James Burgess, Nate Hairston. Um, Connor, overall, when you think of, of roster cuts years past in this, it, it seemed like for the most part the Jets did what people expected. Yeah, uh, before we get to that, ever since we started doing this YouTube thing, like it's been kind of cool because like when you when I write stories or stuff like that and 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 uh, even being on Twitter for you know probably the majority of my time covering the Jets like you find the people that are regularly in your mentions you know what I mean like the loyal you know the loyal listeners of the show or the loyal readers and you kind of like you can see them you're like oh they're there what's kind of cool is like this little like community that's kind of building and growing <laughs> here on this uh, this year web chat like I thought honestly starting the show at this early I was like man it's, the chat's probably going to be pretty low we're not going to have that many viewers. I mean, the, the numbers are actually pretty decent considering this is like we're doing this like 830 and and seeing some of the names in here. It's like, man, they got up early with us. Like, that's kind of cool. Like Michael Dunwane, who has been here <laughs> since literally day one when he was like, holy cow, there's two Michael Duns in here is sitting here going back and forth uh, with, with our viewers down here and uh, whatever. So if we ever do one of those, I know we, back uh, when the athletic first was forming, we did those uh, uh, meet and greets in Manhattan. I don't even think either of you were hired yet. I don't think no. so. No, neither no. of you were around yet. Nope. Uh, we didn't have podcasts yet. Um, they were. Uh, we did like a meet and greet in Manhattan, and, and we invited all the subscribers, and it was like a Q and A panel. Chances for us to meet like some of the subscribers. I mean, I know that if we if we have one of them again, we're gonna get Michael Dunn's gonna be the first one on the door. We're gonna get Michael Dunn one A is gonna be the first one on the door. Um, but yeah, back to back to. I just find like yeah, back to the. Yeah, we're on a time crunch today, Connor. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, time crunch is never good with me, man. I, I ramble with this. <laughs> And you yeah. were late. Let's just yeah. get that the, out there for all the people that think I'm the one that's late. Oh, Mar I'll be honest. With you. Marissa is the first one in here every time. It's Marissa and Tim <laughs> are never late. I think there's been one show where Tim, like you said, because when these boxes, when you can view the boxes on YouTube, the one in the bottom is always the last one to log on, right? Is that yeah, what right. you said? That's why I'm yep. always on the bottom. Like that's why yep. I'm always. And there was today one time Tim's where only on the bottom Tim. because his internet disconnected. Right. Yeah, that's the only reason. Like Tim was here <laughs> early, and I, I set my alarm at at seven forty. I still didn't get out of bed till seven fifty. Then I had to make coffee. Okay, let's continue on. Surprise cuts. Roster yeah. reaction. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like there was none. There, like it's not too too surprising 
that there were no surprising roster cuts just because I don't I didn't look at this roster uh, specifically this year and think that there were any too many studs that were like on the bubble like especially once CJ Mosley opted out that pretty much saved Avery Williamson like Avery Williamson was probably going to be one of those guys that was going to be cut and actually when you saw him agree to a restructured contract was basically a, a cap cut like he he's it was a salary cut uh, when you saw him agree to that it kind of told you that like normally when that happens it's because the team goes to the player and be like, look, you can either accept this pay cut or we're going to cut you. And Avery was like, okay, I'll accept the pay cut, you know, that kind of thing. So he, I think would have been a, a big surprise theoretically. Um, but other than that, there, there weren't any players on here. Literally, there weren't any players in the Jets roster that were really going to be huge surprises on the roster bubble. You know, Joe Flacco wasn't getting cut. Brashad Perryman wasn't getting cut. Jamison Crowder wasn't getting cut. You know, Desir Poole, they weren't getting cut. I mean, it came, it became pretty clear early on, like that, that, this most of the Jets roster cuts were going to be guys you expected, uh, which probably you know puts points to the state of the roster. But the Harrison one was a little bit of a shocker just because of his relationship with Sam Darnold and also his versatility. You know that he can play either guard position and center, has starting experience, and and for the Jets to go with Andrews over him, I thought that was that was quite a bit of a surprise. Uh, I thought that was actually a really big surprise. I, I think most people on the beat viewed Harrison as a roster lock, um, and James Burgess was more just. The Jets have more talent there. You know, Patrick Wuznar is, is, is more talented than James Burgess. Blake Cashman, more talented than him. Avery Williamson, um, a lot of the, uh, Avery Williamson, Blake Cashman, uh, Neville Hewitt, all of these guys are more talented. The Jets don't need to keep six inside linebackers. You need four at the most. So if you're keeping Williamson and Hewitt, and then you have Wuznar uh, on, on the IR or whatever, you kind of, you're set. And I think that Harvey Lange is probably the guy that ends up getting getting let go once, uh, once Patrick's able to come off the IR. So, I mean, that was a minor surprise. Harrison was probably uh, the bigger one. But you know, I, I think that the more of the surprise for me, honestly, throughout throughout this uh, signing and, and, and camp and all that fun stuff was was more the fact that the Jets didn't make any waiver claims. And, and I thought for sure they would come in with three or four where they would have been after, you know, Philly let go of Sharif Miller and and, um, and Razul Douglas. I thought both of those guys were going to be Joe Douglas targets because they were two guys he helped draft in Philadelphia and would have filled needs. But the fact that the Jets stayed off it surprised me. And when we got a chance to talk to Joe Douglas on Monday, he kind of explained it that because there were no preseason games, that's how these guys and these pro personnel departments find players. That they go through every single rep of every single preseason game from every single team and they watch every single player and they say, like, we like these 10 guys. We think they're really good. And then they start making calls on all 10 of these guys. And then when those 10 guys, say maybe seven of them get cut, they make additional calls to be like, okay, why did this guy get let go? Was it a numbers game? Is there an underlying medical issue we don't know about? What's the deal? And then they say, okay, let's put a waiver claim in because he can make it. But the vast majority of those waiver claims are um, determined through preseason tape. Because there were no preseason games this year, teams basically had to make calculated decisions on who to claim off their wave who to claim off the waiver wire by watching their college tape and by watching 2019 NFL game tape if they happen to get into NFL games or 2019 preseason tape that's a big gamble to say like I'm gonna take a guy that I know exactly who he is and cut him from my roster in a season of uncertainty to bring in a guy that I technically have not seen any film of since 2019 and clearly his team didn't believe he could make the 53 like that's a big big gamble so after joe douglas explained it that way and there there were a couple players the jets were targeting i think they just didn't end up they weren't 
awarded them. So it wasn't like they were just completely sitting out. There were a couple players they were targeting or considered targeting, but they just weren't able to get them. Um, I think that that is something that was surprising to me until Joe Douglas explained it. That was the one that, that kind of took me back and then explained it. But as far as cuts, like not really surprising. Honestly, I th- that was kind of like my, the one thing I wrote about in that story today is that this was a very uneventful weekend, both from the guys the Jets cut on Friday, Saturday, and then the non-claiming and then doing what they did with the IR and elevating who they elevated. Like it was it was very uneventful. Even like I remember I actually called my editor, Chris Strauss, and I was like, hey, man, I was like, hey, just so you know, so for the weekend, no, it's a holiday. So what I'm going to do is whoever the Jets claim off the waiver wire I'm going to do a, a kind of a pullout story on this is who the Jets claim this is the background on them. This is who the Jets claim this is the background. I'm do a big like kind of sc- mini scouting report on who these players are, what you need to know about them. I was like, and then I'll do a 53-man roster breakdown, which is what we ended up running today. Waiver claim, and I kind of messaged Chris. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no point in doing that story. <laughs> I was like, you know, so it's it was a, it was honestly, it was a very uneventful, uneventful weekend. And, and I think it just kind of points more towards the time than anything than anything else the other odd thing though was the quarterback situation just because five um they end up with five by the juggling of it um obviously sam donald's your starter and joe flacco's eventually your backup but that's where the problem kind of created itself because joe Flacco's not going to be ready to go the first couple of weeks and then you have james morgan who you drafted in the fourth round so you can't you can't let him go through waivers. He's going to get claimed. So they end up in this situation where they need somebody. So Fails and White both end up on the practice squad. So I guess that's the one question is, why both, Connor? Because Fails is, you know, he's the 29-year-old. He's been with Gase from stop to stop to stop. He knows the offense. We've been through that. He's also not a very good quarterback. We learned that last year. And then you have Mike White, who's, who's a little bit younger, impressed during camp, seems to have a handle. So... I would have thought they would have said, you know what, it's a practice squad. Let's grab one of these guys. We'll continue to juggle. One of, one of them is going to end up being the backup for week one. They go with two. Is that basically to let the competition continue here throughout the week, or why did they do it that way? Hey, Gase, Gase made a pretty good joke uh, when we talked to him on Monday where he said, hey, Joe Douglas likes offensive linemen. I like quarterbacks. We had to compromise <laughs> somewhere. So, um, no, I, I think that, that, that David Fails line got me. I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that, that one. like caught me off guard. Um, very little does, but that caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> they, uh, no, I think this is just like the, it just states to the time. So like Joe Flacco is on the 53, but you got to cancel him out because he can't play for a few weeks. James Morgan, like you said, they can't make him susceptible to the practice or the waiver wire because somebody would claim him. He was a rookie fourth round pick who's a quarterback. People definitely had other, like that's somebody who just got scouted. Somebody would pick him up and claim him and be happy to have him on the roster. Um, it was the other guys, the two they kind of had to pick. But it's also like, imagine the Jets have those two guys in their practice squad. They now have the ability to elevate one on game day. So they will elevate one as part of the now 55-man roster is that one of those guys in the practice squad, one of those quarterbacks will be elevated from the practice squad and be Sam Donald's backup. The reason they're going in with both uh, Fails and White is that what happens if something happens to one of them? So say like White gets covid Suddenly, you are now like, holy crap, we're going into the week one with James Morgan as the backup. Like, that's that can't happen. Same with the reverse of that. What if White gets COVID? Now, so, or like, what if White gets COVID? Now, so, now you have no, like, now, okay, now you're going with fail. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, you need to have an emergency quarterback. So, you need to have the guy that is, this guy's going to be our backup. This guy's are technically, I know the Jets aren't technically quarantining him in terms of like, okay, like what the Eagles are doing with Josh McCown, where it's like, you go stay out in Texas. 
And if all hell breaks loose, you're going to come join us in Philly. You already know the offense. The Jets aren't going to that extreme, but they are keeping the extra one there. So if something happens to one, they know they have the other one. If something happens to this guy, they know they have the other guy. So it's, it's, that's why they ended up doing it. And, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the fact that you have those extra practice squad squad extra practice squad spots makes it possible. And also the fact that you have that ability to elevate one on game day and then put them back in the practice squad helps a lot too. So uh, it, it's more just a, a sign of the of the times. And then honestly, once Flacco gets healthy, it wouldn't surprise me to see if the Jets are like, okay, we can we can let one of these guys go because Joe, Joe Flacco will be the backup and it'll be Joe Flacco and James Morgan at number two and number three. And then you just have one quarantine quarterback on the back. But it's because Flacco's hurt and can't play for a few weeks. And you know one of those two practice squad guys is going to end up being your backup for Darnold. It, it just gives you some, some flexibility. And, and the two, I mean, look, White had a better camp than David Fales. Fails knows the offense a little bit better because he's been with Gaze at multiple stops. So it's it's just kind of somebody that, uh, I mean, we've said this multiple times. If either of those guys has to play a meaningful regular season game and be asked to do anything more than just hand the ball off and milk the clock, the Jets are more than screwed. Like, they are not winning a game with Mike White or David Fails. That's not happening. You want a freezing cold <laughs> take me on that and send that audio over? Go ahead. Like, because that ain't happening. They're not winning a game with either of those two guys under center. So they've got to get them at least like they just need to have. I mean, they're screwed either way, but they need to have somebody at least where they're like, OK, we're confident in him just coming in, dinking and dunking and handing the ball off for six or seven minutes to ice a victory. All right. Last episode, we went all in on the uh, the cheap discussion. Connor, you went on a bit of a rant about the team and how the, it's the way they're building. They're being smart. It's not cheap. Since then, Jadavian Clowney signed what ended up being kind of a discount deal um, this week. Uh, Logan Ryan signs with the Giants. So Jets not involved in either of those either. And then Joe Douglas, when he spoke this week, actually referenced the cheapness. And I put that in quotes as well. Um, So just, you know, sum it up for us again, I guess, as far as Joe Douglas's thoughts on what we've already kind of discussed on this podcast. Yeah, let's go. Let's set the timer again. Maybe I can go on another. Maybe I make. <laughs> well, we don't have much time here, right? so uh, let's. Yeah, he called him. He called him what? He called him internet. He called those internet reports, which is like quite a internet slap reports. in the face. Like that. That is a. That is a shot. <laughs> like even from anyone in the field to, to have that that reference that way. That is a that is a shot. Like good uh, Joe Douglas. No, uh, but no, Joe Douglas just confirmed exactly what we said on the podcast uh, a couple days before he spoke, and and almost used exactly the same uh, vernaculars as we did, which was that he had absolutely no cap restrictions from from ownership. He was not told you were on a tight budget. You can only spend this much money. He confirmed that he has been given full control to do literally whatever he wants to do with this roster. Christopher Johnson wants to know what's going to happen because it's his team. So he wants to know that if Joe Douglas is going to cut Sam Darnold, Christopher Johnson expects a phone call like, hey, this is what we're going to do. But there is no pushback, no, what are you doing? No, go get this guy from Christopher Johnson. He wants to be informed. He's involved in all of the decisions, but it is Joe Douglas's call. It is whatever Joe Douglas wants to do, he can do. And Douglas said, if I wanted to go out there and give somebody a $100 million contract, I had the ability to go out and give somebody a $100 million contract. I didn't see the point in doing this year because of A, the uncertainty of 2020, which he confirmed. He confirmed what we said. And he said, B, the few, with an eye on the future, which he confirmed what he said, which is that the 2020 free agent class is going to be significantly better than what the 2019 free agent class was. That's a fact. That's what's going to happen. The players are going to be available this year are better than who were available last year. So we wanted to make a run at him. Regarding Jadavion Clowney, 
I just don't think the Jets really saw him as a fit. He's not a Joe Douglas guy. Like I think we've said this multiple times that that he is not somebody that um, cares about losing more than he hates or cares about hates losing more than he loves more than he loves winning. Like he's not that kind of guy. He's somebody who was in a contract year and still took plays off. Like that's not who Joe Douglas wants in this locker room. He's trying to build players who he wants to be jets. It's just, it didn't make sense. Logan Ryan is a safety. The jet, the giants need a safety. The jets don't need a safety. They have Marcus may they have, uh, they have Marcus may at one safety position. They have, Bradley McDougal at another safety position. They have Ashton Davis as their flex third. They don't need a fourth safety that they're going to have to pay $7.5 million to. So the did they talk to Logan Ryan? Yes. But the signing didn't make sense for the money. Like, he would have been good as a backup corner and flex safety at, like, $4 million a year. He got 7.5 from the Giants. So that's why the, the they weren't involved in there. And with the Yannick trade, it just didn't make sense to give up draft compensation for a player that you could potentially lose in free agency unless you got a franchise tag him. And then all that cap you've spent time building in the worst case scenario is thrown out the window. So uh, I, I think that Douglas just the fact he stayed out of out of out of the bidding for those three. I know they're big names, but it just makes sense. And when you look at it and you break it down, you understand why the Jets weren't heavily involved in any of the three. And it makes a lot of sense and they're going to be better off for it. Yeah, totally makes a lot of sense. And and it's, you got to you know, there has to be some patience there that the team's being built right and not um, just being thrown together here by spending money. And hopefully that pays off in the long run. And we'll find out in the long run for sure with Joe Douglas. All right, that's going to do it for this edition. We appreciate all the comments in the chat and, and Connor said it during the episode, but we love that there's a bit of a community growing there. It's good stuff. Um, we'll be back later in the week. We'll talk about the Bills game and we'll break down the whole division then as well. So we'll get into the other two teams. We'll talk a little bit about the, the Patriots and Dolphins and how the Jets stack up within all of that. If you have a friend or if you need a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. You can save 40% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Also, subscribe and give us a rating if you're checking us out on Apple or, or Spotify or even on here on YouTube. So do that as well. Follow Connor on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim M. McMaster. Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. That's going to do it for another edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. <laughs>